presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. Sometimes you need a reminder. So before I kick off this morning, I'm going to give myself and yourselves a little reminder. And this little reminder comes from Isaiah chapter 61 and it is my all-time go-to if ever I'm having a moment of doubt or considering what am I doing here moment we go to Isaiah 61 and it's called the year of the Lord's favor it says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from the darkness from the prisoners Freedom from hiccups for Bubby. (laughs) How cool was that? Ladies and gentlemen, if you were here two weeks ago, you would have heard me talking to you on the book of John. So I shared with you some of the life instructions that I found when Kerry set the challenge, the read the gospel challenge. I started with the book of John and I went in and I needed a question asked. I was, to be honest with you, the question was kind of like, you know, what am I supposed to do kind of question relating to a work issue that I was having. And going in with that question, I found that as I read the book of John, the things that came through were life instructions from Jesus, but they weren't specific to my work issue. They were specific to my character and my, my, myself and how I conducted myself. And I found that through going through that process, I got my answer. It just went through a different route from what I wanted it to take. So then Kerry challenged me again and she said, Hayley, can we go a little bit deeper with this? Can we have another look at this one? And so, being the obedient miss that I am, I said, of course, Kerry, we can do that. Two weeks, okay, so we'll do that one. So I picked out five of them. We're continuing on with the, what does Jesus want us to do? So we've called this one the next chapter. So I picked five of those verses from last week and I'm going to read them through. I've simplified them down just for time's sake. We're going to go back through, we capture those five ones and then we're going to go through and have a look at them specifically. So Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. That's from John 5.24. So the message in that one is that Jesus wants us to hear his word And believe in the one who sent him so that we can have eternal life. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse might happen to you. That one was from John 4, 5, 14. And the message in that one is, Stop sinning and do what he says, what he wants us to do, not what the culture says to do. John 3, and this is verse 5, and then I've gone to verse 7. So there's one in between that's missing. And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The message in that one, pretty clear. You've got to be born again, baptised in water, baptised in the Holy Spirit. John 14, 12 and 13 says... Very truly, I tell you, he loves that expression. I might try that in my modern day, man. <laughs> Walking up to my kids, very truly, I tell you, you must do the dishes. <laughs> Don't like my chances. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. 
and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And the message in that one is that he wants us to believe in him and to do even greater things than he did. The last one says, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you must also testify. For you have been with me from the beginning. And that's from John 15, 26 and 27. The message in that one is that Jesus wants us to receive the Holy Spirit, our helper and our advocate, and to testify about Jesus. So how do we do all that? I sat there at the computer and prayed and prayed and prayed until Jesus gave me 15 steps to do all that. So I've got laid out here on the floor, you can't see, but I've got 15 steps laid out here and we're going to go for a bit of a journey. So buckle up, buttercups. Starting here at step one, Jesus wants us to hear the gospel very clearly. None of us are born knowing the gospel, which means at some point we had to hear it. Whether it was from our parents when we were really little, maybe it was Sunday school or children's church as they call it nowadays. Maybe a friend invited you to youth group and you heard the gospel for the first time. Or maybe you're at work as an adult and you heard it there. But at some point, you had to hear it from somebody. It really doesn't matter who it was, it's the fact that you heard it. We heard the good news that God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus, who was sinless, blameless and pure, to die on the cross for us. You see, our sin had kept us separated from God, constantly having to atone for our sinful ways in the Old Testament with sacrificing animals. And we heard that there was, and still is, no possible way for us to save ourselves. Our consequence was to be death, an eternity separated from God. So we sent Jesus to be that blood sacrifice that paid the price for our sins. Jesus, a man who never sinned himself, he went to the cross carrying the full weight of our sin and he paid the ultimate price to save us. He was betrayed, rejected and humiliated so that we would have a way of being reunited with our Heavenly Father. He died and was buried and on the third day he rose again so that when we accept Christ as our Saviour, we receive forgiveness and eternal life. This, my friends, is the good news, the gospel in a nutshell. Step number two. We need to believe the gospel. It's not just enough to hear it. We need to believe it. And I mean believe it. And not just that's what all the cool kids are doing. The kind of belief that says that if someone put a gun to my head and threatened my life, that I would still proclaim that I love Jesus. That sort of a belief that is the foundational one, that that's what we build on. We stay in here. This is what we believe. We believe Jesus. We believe that gospel. We believe that message and everything else thereafter is secondary to that. Step number three, we need to surrender to Jesus. And this is a step where we stop trying to do it our own way. We stop with the nonsense that I'm in control and what I say goes and what I want matters and it's all about me. We get rid of that attitude because trust me, my way sucks. My way involves me being completely selfish and only looking out for my own needs or it involves me being a constant people pleaser, trying to get everything done, trying to be perfect, trying to make sure that everything's there and still ending up feeling like a failure. This is a step where I surrender my past and my future to God. The step where I stop running 
away from God and trying to hide my sin and my shame from him. And it is here where I stand and say, okay, Jesus, I surrender. Let's do it your way. Step number four, we need to acknowledge our need for him. Hand in hand with surrender goes this acknowledgement. We acknowledge that we're sinners, that we can't do it all on our own, that we always mess it up and we're tired of trying to control everything. We acknowledge that there's no our way. There's no way for us to live. We want to have a life and have like a proper life, not living in monochrome where everything's the same. We want that super hyper-colour 1080p kind of life that Jesus promises in the Bible, that life that he says he wants you to have it to the full. We acknowledge that without Christ, we would be destined to die, separated from him for eternity, and that there's nothing that we could ever do to get back to God apart from Jesus. On step number five, we confess and repent. I'm not suggesting you stand up here and tell me all your dirty, dark secrets, but if you're struggling with something in particular, definitely grab a trusted pair partner and go after that thing. But it's the confession that without Jesus, we are sinners, and that it's our sin that kept us separated from God. The repentance I'm talking about here is not the kind of like, oh, sorry, bad temper, try not to lose it again. It's that kind of repentance that will put you on your face before God, desperately broken-hearted for the grief that you've caused to his soul for the sins and the things that you've done. The kind of repentance that makes us want to throw away all our horrible habits and bad behaviours and truly change one, and all of them, to ones that please the Lord. Step number six, invite him in. It's my favourite one. It's the easiest and the hardest thing that you'll ever do. We can't do this step if we haven't done the previous ones because it's these steps here that create that space for Jesus to come into. We can't just invite him into some of the areas of our lives and try and keep the others clean for him. Whenever I hear someone say, it's easy to get saved, I get a little bit miffed because yes, it's easy to say this in his prayer, but you have to understand that your life is never going to be the same again. And it's the easiest thing, but the hardest thing that you'll ever do. Because once you've heard the gospel, once you've accepted the gospel, the Bible tells us that you will be held accountable for what you do with that gospel. It's no longer okay to just say, yep, I hear it, but I'm not going to follow it. There's very strong warnings in the Bible about those that do that. And inviting Jesus into our heart, means, into our life, means inviting to our every single area. There's not a piece of our body or our mind or our jobs or our relationships, our friendships, our Facebook pages, that shouldn't be completely soaked with Jesus. Trust me when I say that shame will make you want to keep those little pockets of your life away from God. You'll try and justify it with, it's not that bad, I only do it on the weekends, at least I didn't murder somebody, but he wants to get rid of that too because that's a sin of pride. At least I'm not as bad as that one. The Bible warns us that he hates us being lukewarm, just coasting along. That's what happens if we don't invite him into every single part of our lives. He wants us absolutely white hot on fire for him and chasing after him in every single way. One of my favourite songs at the moment is called a song called We Speak Jesus. And it starts with the lyrics, Come in, invade, take over this space, surround, engulf, press in. Higher, deeper, wider now, you rise up, we bow down. And I want this to be the cry of our hearts when we invite Jesus in, to surrender every single part of our lives to him 
and have him literally take over and invade our lives. Step number seven, we need to embrace his forgiveness. So many times we beat ourselves up for the things that we've done or if we slip up and still do, but we need to accept once and for all Jesus' forgiveness. It's through his great redemptive act that dying on the cross and being buried and rising again that we receive that forgiveness. We've got liberation from bondage and from the world and we receive the freedom once and for all. Our debt was paid by Jesus on the cross. And we're standing on this step. We've been through these steps. It means right here, right now, we are fully forgiven. But we need to receive it and we need to accept it. It breaks my heart when I see Christians that have been working for long and they still struggle with the thought that they might not be saved. Because if you're here, bros, you're saved. It's already been done. Plenty of times the enemy's going to sneak up and try and remind you of your past. And when that happens, I want you just to picture yourself standing right here on this step and be like, nah, I'm forgiven. Jesus told me so. Step number eight. We need to believe that we're a new creation. So our salvation is only possible through the grace of God and genuine repentance. And we receive it through faith and total trust in Jesus. It's at this moment that we receive that new birth. And it's done completely by the Holy Spirit. And it's an instantaneous thing. We are instantly justified, sanctified, regenerated and given an eternal life. We're adopted into the family of God in that split second. We are a new creation. In Ezekiel 36, 26, God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take away that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we hear, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. This means that when God looks at us now, He doesn't see us. He doesn't see our former sin. When he looks at us, he sees Jesus. Step number nine, accepting that salvation. It's not a passive process at all. It's one that you need to be completely active, involved in. We need to accept it in truth. That is an act of doing that. Which means that if we feel our old man or our old nature trying to get a hold of us and make us think and behave the way that we used to, we can simply remind ourselves that we are a new creation, that we're made in Christ's image and that we have Jesus on the inside of us. That means that we're no longer a slave to the things of our past. One of the most frequent things I tell myself is, don't look back, girl, we're not going that way. So where are we going and what do we do next? Well, at this point, we've already unlocked that level of salvation, achievement unlocked. So we could be content to sit right here for the rest of our lives and do nothing. I'm pretty sure Jesus didn't go to the cross for us just to stay right here. He wanted more for us. He wanted that fullness of life. It's pretty clear that Jesus wants us to do with that salvation. And I've learned the hard way that being obedient to Jesus and doing what he tells you is always the best policy. So what does Jesus actually want us to do now that we're at this step? Well, he wants us to keep going and he wants us to level up. And this leads us to being baptised in water. Water baptism symbolises the dying of our old nature, our rebirth and the new life that we have received. It's a symbol of our alignment with Jesus' death, burial and resurrection. 
you could even look at it as a metaphorical washing away of our sins, although by this point, Jesus has already done that. We profess our faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, and when we come up from being immersed in the water, we are risen with Christ. We are that new creation, and we enter into our new life with Jesus. Our baptism in water is one of the first acts of obedience we'll do as a new Christian. Step number 11, be baptised in the Holy Spirit. As members of the CRC Churches International here at Bethel Family Church, we believe that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is separate from the water baptism. We believe that it's usually accompanied by the speaking in other tongues as the initial evidence. And we believe that it is baptism that empowers us to be effective for Christ. There is so much more to say about this and these other steps that they're a sermon in themselves. Actually, I think that goes for just about all of them. You could have 15 sermons in a row. That's what you could do. Step number 12. He wants us to receive the gift of tongues. Speaking of tongues is a supernatural gift of power that isn't only for the early disciples. It's a gift that's available for all believers of every generation. Jesus' disciple Peter mentions in Acts that it's this special prayer language that the prophet Joel was prophesying about, that this is evidence of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit has begun. It's a personal gift. It's the only one that can become ours permanently and that we can use that language to draw our intimacy with God and become deeper on a spiritual level with him. And I can personally testify that when I've prayed every single prayer I know how to pray and I've spoken every single word I've known how to spoke and I still haven't seen that breakthrough, that letting go of my... Stop thinking with my brain and going in and speaking in tongues just releases something else. It takes every single language, sound, letter, word, utterance that could ever be done and put it together and uses it to praise Jesus. It's a gift that's received by faith and we have to earnestly want it. Step number 13, he wants us to receive access to the nine supernatural gifts. Now, we already talked about tongues in that one, but the rest of them that are named in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11 are wisdom, messages of knowledge, or we call that words of knowledge, faith, healing, power, prophecy, discernment of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And all of these gifts are given by the Holy Spirit and are to be used in an orderly manner in the community and in the church to equip and empower believers to reach the unsaved and lost people of the world. Again, so much to say on each of those nine gifts, but they're a sermon of themselves. Just know that at this step right here, we have access to them and we can receive them. So step number 14. Step number 14 is to circle back. We had a bit of discussion this morning about my steps being out of order and I said, but it was a circle, it was a linear circle and they laughed at me. But instead we decided we're going to call it a cycle. So at step number 14, what we need to do is circle back. Now I'm not suggesting that you backslide, I'm not suggesting that you've become unsaved, but I'm saying at this point of the journey, armed with everything that we've learned and everything that we've received, all the gifts that we have, the family that we've been adopted into, that Jesus wants us to cycle back to the start. And this time, we pick up a friend. Can we be right up? And we move over to step number 15, that's all the way over here. Good job, buddy. Good job, Paige. And they're going to stick together, aren't they? At step number 15, 
We need to disciple someone else. So to disciple someone else means to walk the journey alongside with them. Literal interpretation of disciple is to be a student for life, to learn. We want to always be learning more about God. But every time that we walk this time, now that we've chosen somebody else, we're filled with the Spirit, we've been adopted in the family, we've got everything we need, we're equipped, we're empowered, we've got the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's our turn now to pick up somebody else and bring them along on that journey, to walk along with them. Carmela and Leanne, case in point. Praise the Lord, there should be more of it. It's not acceptable for me to sit here and say, oh, I could never tell someone about Jesus. I could never share my faith. I could never lead someone through the sinner's prayer. Because guess what? Jesus wants us to share the gospel and he wants us to disciple someone else. So I choose Ryder. So now my responsibility is to tell Ryder everything I know about Jesus and give him all those lessons and all those empowering gifts and tell him about this so that he can go and walk that journey on his own. Thank you, buddy. You can sit down, Mrs. Jones. Yeah. Jesus wants us to share the gospel and he wants us to disciple others. He might not be asking you to be the next Billy Graham standing in front of stadiums full of people, but if he is, please be obedient. And he might not be asking you to stand up here and second guess every single thing that you speak, but if he does, please be obedient. He's simply asking you to remember that at some point, somebody took a moment out of their day to share the good news with you. He wants you to do the same for someone else. Even if it's just planting a seed, even if it's just watering some one that somebody else has planted already, or even if it's harvesting one that's ready to go. So what if you get known as a crazy Christian at work? I think Jesus wasn't mocked and paid out. He gave his everything, his literal everything. Dude hung on a cross... To save our souls and we get so worried about being embarrassed or rejected. People thinking us that we're weird. They might say no. I think the best way to tell someone about Jesus is to personalise it and really tell them what God's done for you. And just to testify about the goodness of God. We can also be an encouragement to other people that we see walking along the path. Now, Carmela is Leanne's first connection. They've come in together. But it's up to each and every one of us to encourage Leanne as she learns more about the books of the Bible and more about Jesus and all those sort of stories. Jane, you've been a long-time Christian, but you're new to our family. It's so good to see you, and I hope that you felt encouraged by other people along your journey. And the same goes for everyone. It doesn't matter if we've been a Christian for 60 years, 20 years, 10 years, 2 years. We need to be cycling back through this. If at any point we've found that we've drifted away from God, we can come back to this moment here of step number six and invite him in all over again. And we just continue and we come back and we pick up and every single time and then next time Ryder comes with me, he gets all the way in and then he picks up a disciple and so forth. And that's how it continues. The good news is spread. The reason we need the Holy Spirit to do this effectively is so that we're not doing it in a legalistic, judgmental kind of a way because that will push people away. We want to do it with a sacrificial kind of love, the kind of love that Jesus showed when he went to the cross. Jesus told us that we have to love one another. That was one of the Bible verses we looked at in John the other week. Now, how can we be really and truly loving people if we're not telling them the good news, if we're keeping it to ourselves, if we're letting them go and be condemned to an eternity of living without God? And true love always costs us something, whether it's our time or our money, our reputation 
for our embarrassments as a redhead. I'm prone to bright red cheeks. That might be the price that I pay for selling someone about Jesus. But Jesus sent the name of 72 people in Luke chapter 10 to go and heal the sick and tell them that the kingdom of God is near. And remember when they came back, they were raving about the things that they'd seen and Jesus told them not to rejoice about that, to rejoice that their name was written in heaven. And it's the same for us folks. We are the nameless 72 that have been sent out. What better way to heal the sick than introduce them to the great healer that is Jesus? And we should be rejoicing, man, that our names are written in heaven. Each and every one of us are called by God to follow the Great Commission found in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And as James and Eric come up, we know that the rest of the PowerPoints didn't join the PowerPoint that was saved this morning. We know that those five verses that we started with have been demonstrated in these steps that we know this is the path that Jesus wants us to take. It's laid out in in the book of John for us. And I'm going to read to you from my Bible because I'm old school and I'm loving this one. It's got a dedication in the front that says to Hayley Jones from the congregation at the Lutheran Church at Point Pass in 1992. This Bible has seen some years. And as Kerry tagged me in Facebook, I like to highlight often in pastels that are matching. Matthew 28, 20. Well, it's 18 to 20. This, ladies and gentlemen, is our mantle. As much as Isaiah 61 is mine to remind myself when it's time to get up and go, this is our one. This is our commission that we have been given this mantle by God and it is on each and every one of you. Whether you're a teacher, whether you're a mum, whether you're working with children or in an engineering place, this is your mantle. This is what you need to be doing. And it says that Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and in earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and in the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, Kerry wants me to remind you that there's going to be a baptism service at some point in the not-too-distant future. And if you're thinking about getting baptised, if it's something that you haven't done before, she encourages you to reach out to her that she's available throughout the week. And as always, if there's something that's come up and you feel that you need some prayer, you are more than welcome to come and find me and I would happily pray with you. But as a nameless 72 that goes out, that means each and every one of you, if you have somebody in your crowd, in your space, in your circle that needs prayer, it's on you. It's not just enough to bring people in and pass them off to the pastors and expect them to be the ones to do the stifling. Ladies and gentlemen, it's on us. That's what we need to do. So bless you, bless you and I hope you have a great week. And like always, if you need to reach out to Kerry and I, we are available throughout the week. James and Eric are going to take it away. And we've got some morning tea afterwards. I think Jane's got a beautiful setup in the kitchen. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, James. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.